the Baseball 365 Podcast, and here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 121 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, and thank you for taking some time out of your week to spend with us today. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Baseball365Pod. You can follow myself at Justin Hughes 365 and you can follow Andrew at AMCQ82. And you can also join our Facebook group, Baseball365. Over there, we have 2,800 members talking about baseball every single day of the week, month, year, even in the offseason. There's always a conversation going on over there about baseball. And the best way you can support the show is to go to iTunes. If you took a moment and left us a five-star rating, write a nice review for us, we'd be very appreciative. It's a good way of helping us get our name out there. And as always, all of these plugs can be found in the show notes. Uh, so in this episode, Andrew and I are going to touch on a few pieces of news from this last week or two. It's been a couple weeks since we've been on. And we'll also touch on prospects who we have seen their stock go up after a month of the minor league season. I hope you all can bear with me. I've had a little bit of a cold and I know I sound a little more nasally than normal. So hopefully we'll be able to get through this okay. And let's get Andrew on with the question of the day. And Andrew, I've got two questions of the day for you. And the first one is going to be the really serious one that I need you to think hard about. How many chickens would it take to take out an elephant? <laughs> is there a right answer to this? <laughs> um, uh, probably, but I don't know what it is. How many chickens would take out an elephant? I would say 40. 40? Wow. I would think like 40,000. <laughs> well, maybe, yeah. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> What do you mean by take out? Um, I guess if in a battle, <laughs> your, own in a def- fight. your own definition of it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I don't know. I've sometimes I go around and search for um, good opening questions for podcasts. And I saw that and just died <laughs> laughing and I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to ask Andrew that one. And I'm not going to let him prepare for it. Yeah. Okay. That's probably, that's probably not enough. Probably more than 40, but <laughs> I would definitely take the odor of around 40. I'm not even, <laughs> I'm not even sure 40,000 would get the job done, but maybe. um a more serious question last time we were on we were talking about you getting ready to go see a pirates game how was the pirates marlins game that you went to a week and a half ago it was good uh saw cabrian hayes homer and the view is just i mean the view at that place is unbelievable i tell you i anybody that goes to pnc park i would recommend sitting third base side up a little bit uh, sat in like 200 level and you just get the view of the bridge, the water, the city. It's awesome. Yeah, it was, it was really cool. So it's got the pirates one pirates won nine to two. And it was mostly a bullpen game. I think this, I don't think either starter made it out of the third. So, so it's got, it's, you know, it's pretty well known as by most people as the best park of all the parks to go to in the major league. So you, it lived up to its billing then. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. it was. Yeah, it was really, uh, really cool. Like I said, the the views all the way around the park is just incredible. That's good. They need it because looking inside the park <laughs> at the game sometimes isn't the best thing to look at. So right. Good, good right. for them. All right. Well, let's get into some of the news of the week. And injuries are piling up 
still. Uh, we got more, especially with pitchers, but here, uh, here's just a list since we were here last. Shane Bieber just went on the aisle today. Uh, Jack Flaherty, he's pulled an oblique. He's gone for a while. Sonny Gray's on the injured list. Evan Longoria at Alberto Mondesi came back for a brief bit. He's on the aisle. John Means. Max Scherzer's going to miss a start. And Tyler Glass now left a start early tonight. And we also had a scare from DeGrom, but it looks like he'll make his next start, thankfully. I looked at one draft and hold team last week, and I had 13 of the 50 players that I drafted currently on the injured list. I, it, it just seems like it's out of control. Maybe it's because I'm playing in more draft and hold leagues that I'm noticing this more, but how many injuries are you fighting in leagues right now? Well, I think we're all fighting it a little bit. Um, I looked today at one of my teams that specifically has been hit pretty hard. And this will make you feel better about your situation with uh, 13. So obviously in a draft and hold, you have 50 spots, 27 on your bench because you're starting 23. Mm -hmm. I counted today of my 27 players on my bench, 24 of them are either on the IL or in the minor leagues. <laughs> I have three <laughs> players that are active in the major leagues that are on my bench, and they're all three hitters. The 13 pitchers, I think it's 13, 13 or 14 pitchers that are on my bench in this league are all zeros right now because they're either hurt or um, there's, you know, there's a couple minor leaguers. So it's just, yeah, it's, it's rough. That, I mean, now this is a drastic example. They're not all hit like this, but just to give you an idea here, these are the pitchers sale Dalton Jeffries, JB Wendelkin, Daniel Hudson, Dustin may Michael Kopech, Kirby Yates. Some of these are out for the year. Jose Quintana, Zach Plesak, Madison Bumgarner, Clark oh. Schmidt, Sonny Gray, and Nick Lodolo. That's sick. <laughs> that's that's literally my bench pitchers for that team. So do you have that yeah, team I'm up just, right now? Yeah, I have it pulled up. Okay, I want to know who is actually in your rotation. Who's in your lineup as the pitching? Oh, it's bad. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> that's why I'm asking. So I have Luis Cast. These are my active pitchers this week: Luis Castillo, Jose Cisnero from Detroit. Wow, is this a draft uh, and hold or a redraft? Yeah, draft and hold. Wow, you actually uh, have Cisnero. Yeah. Uh, David Price, Matt Whistler, Herman Marquez, <laughs> Stefan Crichton, John Lester, Michael Waka, and Hector Neris. That's it. Yeah. I It's it's rough. Means... Now granted, a, a few a couple of those guys could come back soon. Um, it doesn't sound like it'll be too long for police sack. Obviously like to get him back and sales throwing and you know there's some of them will be back but should some, be back in a few weeks yeah I think. yeah some of them are also out for the year so it's just that team i just look down it and there's just a ton of uh red crosses you know but the <laughs> signaling that they're hurt just sucks it's insane looking at the pitching specifically in these draft and hold leagues and i had i took a lot of arms and it, it's insane to see how few arms like i'm sitting there it's like I got to throw Matt Shoemaker out there just because he can get innings, even though he's just getting hit like batting practice. Right. Yeah, it's almost – I do have a couple – you know, and I have a couple that are doing pretty good that have avoided it, but I guess it's what's going to happen when you're 
play in a bunch of leagues. But um, yeah, there's a couple teams where I'm pretty much just like, oh, he's active and he's like he's not hurt mm-hmm. and he's in the majors, then he's in my lineup because I don't really have anybody else. Or or maybe I have like one decision or two, yes. but it's not much. I mean, yeah, it's pretty uh, pretty rough. You know, a month ago, just about every league, I was near the top. And I'm still doing well in all the leagues, but I'm definitely slipping in all of them right now in these draft and holds just because the injuries are just mounting up right now. Yeah. But – yeah, I think a lot of people, especially the guys playing in draft and hold leagues, can relate because it's almost impossible to have avoided all of it. Right. This. I'd like yeah, to see I think a everybody's, team. I think everybody's dealing with it. I mean, especially, like I said, if you if you have a lot of teams, I mean, you're surely dealing with it somewhere. So The really biggest news, I think the thing that's being talked about, about the probably the most in the last week or two right now is pitchers and spin rates. Um MLB had owners meetings, I think, a week before last. And rumors are they're going to start cracking down on pitchers using illegal substances on this ba- on the baseball. I've heard rumors that they're going to be checking pitchers between innings before games. A couple different times during the game with starters and relievers, they're going to check them once. And um, spin rates have dropped in the last few starts for a handful of pitchers. The two headliners are Garrett Cole and Trevor Bauer. I I think Shane Bieber is another one that's up. I've heard has seen a big drop in his knuckle curve specifically. But there are others that are also showing drop spin rates. I, Corbin Burns and his cutter is another big one. I think. So, my question, Andrew, as all of these guys are showing like in these last few starts where the spin rates down, they haven't been quite as dominant either. How concerned would you be if you owned any of these guys? Uh, I, I mean, I think you have to have it on your mind. It, I'd maybe be a little bit concerned. I I don't know. It's, it's kind of hard to adjust your mind into thinking like Garrett Cole and Trevor Bauer may not be quite what they were. Because they're what they are, were whatever you want to call it, because um, they've just been so dominant. So I don't know. I mean, maybe a little bit, but not overly. I don't think. Maybe not as much as some people would be. I don't know. Some people would be me. I'm concerned. I um I don't know what my level of concern is. I'm not saying these guys are going to all of a sudden be bad, but I think back of Trevor to Trevor Power about two or three years ago when he's getting beaten around and um. Was that no? Was that where was you when he was just traded to the Reds? I think, yeah, that first run. I mean, he was giving up homers like crazy, and I think of Garrett Cole in this pitcher that was struggling to find himself until he got to Houston, and then all of a sudden they found a substance for him to use. Alleged, I mean, allegedly, but. And all of a sudden, he's the best pitcher in baseball. And I'm not saying that they're going to go back to what they were before. I think it might be somewhere in between. But I am concerned. I, I, I am legitimately concerned about these guys in terms of seeing what I've seen of them since. I mean, Bauer's still out there striking guys out, but he was able to do that before. I think what's going, what I, what I'm seeing is he's walking more guys right now. He's lo- he's not able to put that ball right where he wants quite as often because he just doesn't have quite the grip. That's 
I think that's more what I'm worried about. Just more balls being missed and getting hit and to, with guys with those two specifically. And I mean, Corbin Burns was also a guy that was just lost in the big leagues just two years ago, and then last year looked like the best pitcher in baseball. It's like, well, was he using the substance too? And I don't know. I like what I mean. What would you do about it, though? I mean, are you like trading them away, or if I could get full value, and I would consider it, but I don't think you. Can. I, I maybe there are people in out there. Oh, I would. definitely, I definitely think you can get full value. You think so? Yeah. Hmm. I don't. But I, I also, I mean, I think it. Um, I guess you were going to get to the question about dynasty, so I can wait. No, no, no. Like. It's hard to do something right now in dynasties if you've got like Garrett Cole, like I've got him in a di- in our dynasty. League. Yeah, I just, I mean, I guess I just feel like uh, it's like okay, if you want to be a little concerned, I get it, but like, what are you gonna do about? Like, what are you gonna do? Yeah, just I, trade them away. I mean, like these guys, like if you're trying to win your league, I mean, you need Garrett Cole and Trevor Bauer to help you win your league. You know, I just don't. And if you're not, then yeah, I mean, if it's a if it's a dynasty and you're you don't have uh, a chance to win the league, and you have one of these guys on your team. I totally would would trade them. I but I would have done that before this. Here, you know. So here's my thing, though. If you if maybe let's say Garrett Cole really is about to turn into eighty percent of what Garrett Cole's been the last two years. What if you traded him for a pitcher that's eighty percent, and you're also able to get another piece on top of it, something like that, a really good piece on top of it, to where you may get a pitcher. That is as good. I don't know what that picture is. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It just you got to give like it would have to be specific names. And Uh I don't know. It just it's kind of tough to go backwards from that when you're like compete when you're competing for the championship, you know, or or like in a redraft. I guess it's probably almost better to talk about it in a redraft sense just because everyone's trying to win, you know, as opposed to a dynasty where you got some teams rebuilding and stuff. I'm just pulling up pitchers and dynasty value rankings. I mean, if you could trade him for like Walker Bueller plus, do you do that? And those are like the questions. I mean, possibly, but I don't know if you're, I don't know how much more you're getting really there. I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. It might, you might be going down. Cause they age, step. they age yeah. gap and stuff. Yeah. I don't know. As I'm scrolling down much further than that, I'm like, uh, no. Yeah, like, the I'm pictures, the... the pictures just get ugly, or you know, not ugly, but they drop off pretty quick. Yeah, I they mean, do. Yeah, like so, you're not trading them for Ma- you're not going to go trade for Max Freed Plus or something like that. Right, it's just not right in the card. So you just may be stuck with it, but. I would be a little cautious going out there and buying them. I'll say that. I mean, if I was competing. Man, it's it's. Just I will hard. say, like I said, if if I wasn't, if it was a dynasty league and I wasn't in the top half of the league or didn't think I could win, I would definitely be trying to trade. Like if I had Garrett Cole or Trevor Bauer, I'm looking at the teams that need pitching and, or you know, like I said, I would say that about any top pitcher, not just these yes. guys, but, um, yeah, I'd be looking at those teams, like top teams that need pitching the most and maybe try and get some kind of bidding war going or something. But I would be trying to get them off my team for as much as I possibly could. But so, I would have said that I would have said that a month ago too, you know? Yeah. 
it was interesting hearing some quotes from Bauer and Cole specifically. Bauer, when asked about all this, he really didn't. I mean, he bounced around it, but he, what he said was that was interesting was all I ever really wanted was an even playing field. Because he was one of the guys that was very outspoken about this with the Astros two or three years ago. And I found that interesting because, you know, I I mean, I, I don't think he's even that bothered about it if he just doesn't want other people doing it. But um, there was a interesting Garrett Cole interview about uh, last week about this. And I've got the audio clip here, and I'm going to share it with you. So here we go. And have you ever used spider attack while pitching? Um, I don't. I don't know. I I, I don't know if. Uh, I don't know quite. I don't quite know how to answer that. To be honest. Um, I mean, there are customs and practices that have been passed down from older players to younger players from the last generation of players to this generation of players. And, um, you know, I, I think, uh, I think there are some things that are certainly out of bounds in that regard. And, and, uh, I've stood pretty, stood pretty firm in, in terms of that, uh, in terms of the communication between our peers and whatnot. Um, you know, and, and I, again, like I mentioned earlier, there's, you know, this is important to a lot of people that love the game. And this is including, including the players in this room, including fans, including, you know, teams. And so if MLB wants to, you know, legislate some more stuff, that's a conversation that we can have um, because ultimately we should all be pulling in the same direction on this. So, Andrew, I um, let me turn that audio off. And I've got a – I actually have a way – I found a translator. And I was able to get that translated, and actually, um, I can tell you what he, it, he was actually saying. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say that was kind of a, a long way to say that. <laughs> I just took a one-minute clip and turned it into <laughs> two seconds. Yes, I have. Very awkward, but I also get they can't just – he can't say, yes, I have. Or Of course, yeah. It's just weird when you put these – like, it's the same as, like, if you're asking, did you throw at that guy on purpose? They can't say yes, even though right. we all know. Yeah. Okay, moving on. Uh, we did have a couple demotions a week ago uh, that I wanted to bring up. Kelnick and Keston Hero were both dem- demoted. Let's say both of them were dropped in a redraft league and you could only had one stashing slot. Who would it be between those two? Um, I would rather stash Kelnick rest, rest of season. I agree. I, I think he's, I think he's I actually, I actually have both of them in, um, in my main event or on my main event team. And I was planning on dropping Hura this week, but just didn't get the guy. Like I had a few bids in and just didn't mm-hmm. get any of them. So I've still got him on my roster, but. I'll probably keep tabs on him this week, but um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to drop Kalanick. I'll I'll ride it out with him. But yeah, here I I think I'm ready to move on unless something crazy happens this week. I think I'm looking at here or Kalanick's numbers to see what he's done since being demoted. He homered, I guess, on the twelfth. So that would be Saturday. Saturday, yes. So yeah, it looks like he's doing okay. I think he's going to bounce. Have a 
couple weeks, maybe a month down there, get hot again. And yeah, I think I would definitely be holding on to Kelnick. But yeah, I think I'm with you on Hira too, though. I think he's a guy to let go of once you have somebody to add. You don't just drop him, just drop him. But if there's anybody, I mean, once you find somebody out there that you can that can help you. I man, what a rough, what a rough draft pick he was this year. Oh my gosh, there's like just worse. just for where he, yeah, just for where he went. And, oh man, this rough. I mean, he's been so bad when he was health when he was playing to actually get that. I mean, when I think of the worst picks, I think of him and Steven Strasburg, who I have quite a few shares of. I think those are the two guys that stick out to me as like, ugh, that would be rough to have. There's probably some yeah. more, but the, I guess Luis Castillo's up there too. <laughs> but, yeah, um, it's brutal. So I thought I'd ask you like a dynasty him or him game with Hero just to see where you would land with Hero versus these guys if you owned Hero in a dynasty league. You don't have any Hero dynasty shares, correct? Correct. Huh. You, you're fortunate. <laughs> I thankfully I had a share in a startup two years ago and I traded him right before last season. I, I had no idea. I didn't see this coming. I, I didn't really want to move him. I just got a deal on a, a trade out there to get Fernando Tatis jr. So I pulled the trigger that worked out well, but um, anyway, so I'm good. We're definitely you're supposed, to, you're supposed to tell the listeners you got him straight up. For, <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could, but Bo Bichette was actually. Or you got Tatis straight up. For <laughs> yeah. I, I gave up Bo Bichette in that deal too. And I got Machado. There were other pieces, but it was basically Machado and Tatis for Bo Bichette and Hira. So yeah, it it's worked out. Yeah, it's a win. Yeah. So here we go. Let's just see where you would lie with these guys. I'm moving down the list here. Uh, Jake Cronenworth. Versus Hira yeah. Dynasty. Um, I would take Cronenworth. Wow. What about Tommy Edmund? Edmund. Mike Moustakis. I'd probably take Hira. Okay. I'm going to move down further and see if it's just a you don't like Mustakas thing. Nick Solak. I think that one's close. Um, Speaking of being, I think it kind of, I think it kind of depends on your situation a little bit too. Like if, if you have like a bad team or a rebuilding team, I don't hate having Hura or, trying to get him cheaply, you know, I don't think it's like impossible that he turns it around, especially if you're not competing and you have till next spring for him to figure it out. You know, I mean, I, I, I definitely wouldn't rule it out. So in that spot, I think you can be uh, kind of a little more open-minded, but you know, if you have a good team, it's, it's almost like, what do you even do? I mean, obviously, especially if you can't stash him in the minors, right? It's like you, you have this guy that, well, at least in leagues I'm in, he can't be minors or put in the minors and he's not injured. So he's not on the IL. So it's almost like, what do you do? But at the same point, I mean, you're probably, if you have Keston Hura as like a core piece of your dynasty team, you're probably not doing that great either. So, 
it's hard to say, but um, I don't hate the idea of trying to get him if if you're not uh, not going to win the league this year. I'd imagine there are teams that are out there that are like I can see if I owned him, somebody would have been sending me an offer of like I'm just looking at a prospect list and I'm going down to about the hundred range, like Brett Beatty for <laughs> Keston here, just trying to see if they can get him off your hands. And Beatty's yeah. somebody like that to where they're like, here, I'll, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you this prospect that probably like bait. I actually kind of like Beatty. So that might be a bad example, but um, Kyle Isbell, I'll give you Kyle Isbell for him just so you can get him off your major league team. Kyle Isbell in a third or something like that. And I bet that's the type of offers you're getting from the non contenders Yeah. See, it's, yeah, it's tough. I mean, I'd be tempted to just hold on to him in that, yes. in that scenario, but, it's still killing it's also, a roster spot. It's also hard when it's killing a roster spot. Yeah, I mean, I think Hira, next to these guys, like he could easily be the best, but mm-hmm. he could also just continue to scuffle and be the worst too. I mean, they're obviously all better. I know you had Magical listed too. Mm-hmm. I would, I would probably gamble on Hira just because. Um, it when and if he figures it out, it, obviously the power difference just isn't even close there so uh, it's tough though i mean i'm just i'm not a magical guy either but um yeah i think that's kind of the kind of the range for now and, that's you know if you're goes to the top of that list in six months i mean i wouldn't be surprised at all i i think that there will be some bounce back with Hira at some point so like i said if you, if you wanted to if you want i think the best scenario for um or like the best way to do it is if if you're not in contention i I think that's a good guy to try and get because you just don't have to worry about it until next spring and if you are then i don't really know what to tell you because it's really tricky i agree there honestly if i had a jake cronenworth i'd consider trading i mean i would consider it if you get somebody maybe i'd ask for a cronenworth plus just see if you can get it but you just said something there. You said um, here, Madrigal doesn't have Hero's power. You're right. He has twice it because Madrigal has two home runs this year and Kessler Hero <laughs> only has one. So I agree with you. They, they're not comparable. Madrigal has two, really? He hit a second one last week, yeah. Oh, I missed that. I chuckled. I only knew the one. I chuckled because I remember trying to sucker you into an over-under, I think, on like two or three home runs this year for Madrigal. Yeah, that second one, and that's looking a lot better. If you had taken I that bet, <laughs> yeah, I, I missed the second one. I I knew about the first one. I still don't know how they've happened. I haven't looked at either replay <laughs> of either, and I'm I need to because no, I think I did see the first one. I think he pulled it, and I'm still shocked that it happened. Um, while we're on it, because we were just talking about a few different guys, Nick Solak. I just brought him up. Have you seen how bad he's been in May? I have not. No. Oh, it's ugly. It's been really ugly since about May 1st. I mean, in April, he hit 293 with seven home runs, two stolen bases. Since then, in May, he hit 200, striking out a ton, 29 times, and I guess 110 at-bats. That's not as bad as I was thinking, 10 walks. But one home run, zero steals. And so far in 11 games this month, he's hitting a 143 with zero home runs, zero steals. 12 strikeouts and 38 plate appearances. That guy's lost right now. It's not been pretty. I 
I've got a share in one dynasty league, and he's just sitting there on my bench right now. It's been long enough of being bad that I can't sit on him in my lineup. Yeah, any I longer. think if I think if I had Solak, and I wasn't competing, I would I would trade him for Hira. I'm pretty certain I would. Obviously, yeah. if you know if you're competing, maybe not. But I I don't know. It's a little different circumstances there. I think. It, Edmund and Cronenworth to me are a little bit different because I, I feel like those guys are, I mean, obviously they're both pretty young and I, I think they're both pretty good. They're so, steady. Yeah. I, I, um, I like them a little bit more than these other ones, but. Okay. Let's move on. I've been rambling here. I just realized we're pretty already pretty close to, I guess about 40 minute, 30, 30, 40 minutes in here. So, um, Tony Gonsolin was activated. He's locked in as the fifth starter for the Dodgers. I know you and I have talked about him a little privately, but how good can this guy be? I feel like he can be pretty good. I know. He, I think he only went a couple innings in his first outing and he's actually pitching as we speak. They're Is down he? one. Yeah. They're down one, nothing in the fourth. So can't oh, yeah. be too bad. Um, haven't seen his line, but I'm looking at it now. He's pitched um, three innings, three walks, three strikeouts. One yeah, I, I'm always going to be interested in the starters that are, you know, the pitchers that are starting for the Dodgers. I feel like you have to be. So um, I think he's pretty good and uh, can surprise, you know, more. Like the time to buy him was probably like in early May, not so much now because now that he's there it's just it's kind of like one of those out of sight out of mind things and i feel like a month ago nobody was thinking about him and now people are so probably kind of missed that window if you wanted to buy him but yeah i think he could be pretty good you just said you know i want to buy in like i'm paying attention to all the Dodgers starters i'm going to ask you the same question for the set for a different team in that division should we be paying attention to every giant starter at this point because it's it's been ridiculous hasn't it yeah oh my gosh whatever yeah, they do with pitching seems to turn to gold yeah yeah they've got all these reclamation projects they've put together this year it's unreal how they're, good they're playing yeah it it helps where they're pitching which that ballpark but on the same note they're doing something right there and what I, there are a lot of teams around baseball that could use that same kind of fortune or gift or whatever it is that's going on there in san francisco uh jackson coar debuted last week he was awful in two starts he made it only two innings total with eight earned runs uh quick question how deep of leagues would you still be holding him like 12 15 teamers are you holding or are you tossing him back at this point no i don't think i would i don't think i would hold him i i haven't been a draft and hold so obviously i'm gonna have him there but yeah it's um been pretty bad i don't think you have to hold on to him no if you can find other options the one thing i'll say is logan gilbert had a pretty rough three first like his first three starts were rough and he's been a lot better after that so you never know he could adjust but you also every pitcher is different with that so just because he did doesn't mean koar will but i think you i think you always have to consider who you're cutting him for too i mean yes Sometimes people will just be like, I'm done with this guy, and um, they'll bid a lot because they're tired of the guy that they have or because they you know, love the flavor of the week guy on waivers, whatever. But 
um, you really have to kind of put the guy that you're picking up next to the guy that you're dropping and really kind of evaluate the, uh, the difference in the two. And typically for me, it's like if, if the difference isn't that much, I'm bidding a buck or two. I'm just not throwing a bunch of money at guys that I don't think are going to be that much different than what I have, you know, and coar has been bad. Like I said, like you said, a couple starts. I mean, he could turn it around, but there's also, you know, if you're in a 15 team league and you're picking up a pitcher that's just widely available or whatever, he's probably not a guy that you can really count on either. So just kind of got to keep that in mind. I think it's good logic. I was thinking about that with a dynasty team when someone was talking about an outfielder that's available. And I looked at my worst outfielder being Andrew McCutcheon, just a thought process. I had this, this other outfielders out playing McCutcheon in my head. I was sitting there looking at that. And then I was like, you know, do I really think that player is going to be that much better than McCutcheon the rest of the way? And I'm like, I can't justify that. So I moved on. I'm like, you know, I, I, I can't justify giving up something to get this guy that I'm not even sure is going to be better. Yeah. Than McCutcheon. So, yeah. Um, okay. Let's take a quick break and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about some prospect risers. All right, Andrew, we got a, I made a list of guys who I think have moved up significantly up in value and, and amongst the prospect world over this last few months since the end of the offseason, beginning of the minor league season here. But first and foremost, before we get into a lot of those guys, I have to ask, is Patrick Wisdom for real? <laughs> I feel like I ask myself that every day. <laughs> Did he homer again tonight today? Yeah, he homer Homer tonight, yeah. How many is that now? I want to say thirty-seven, eight or nine, maybe thirty-seven. <laughs> thirty-seven. <laughs> it's number nine now that I'm looking. Yeah. Um. I mean, he's not this good, obviously, but I mean, I think you have to take it seriously a little bit. I think he's obviously more. You know, it's kind of not the exact same thing, but kind of how Adalas Garcia just kind of shot up. I mean, yeah, it's, it's not real, but at the same time, it's somebody that you have to pay attention to clearly. And he's been picked up across the board. So people are doing that. And you just, with those guys, I feel like you just ride it as long as you can. And then that's really, it's really all you can do. Cause I think people are so slow to buy into mm-hmm. those guys that you can't really trade them for much. Like in a, in, you know, in a, league where you can trade or dynasty league, whatever. So I feel like you just have to ride it out and kind of be um, honest with yourself and quick to know when like the ride's over. Yes. Pay attention. Don't just set them in there and forget it and not be looking every day. Yeah. When you watch over 16 with 12 K's, it's time to get them out of your lineup. Maybe kind of, kind of like what we're seeing with Adolis Garcia now. <laughs> yeah, actually, I was going to say, is he Adolis Garcia Aquino, basically, version 3.0? <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, possibly. We'll, we'll see, but 
I've been like I said when with guys like this, you just you just ride it. I mean, really, that's I feel like that's what the big league clubs do. That's what fantasy teams should do. And you know, when it's over, it's over. But you just take what you get, where you get it. I've been hearing about Adolis's bad month, but I haven't looked until right now. I'm pulling up his June numbers: eleven games, zero home runs, only twelve strikeouts, and forty three plate appearances, two fourteen batting average. I honestly expected worse, given the way people are talking. Yeah, that's. I mean, yeah. it's not good by any means, but yeah, maybe he can turn out of that. I don't know. Then again, I, it's not like either one of us were saying this guy's a star. Okay. Um. All right. So now I'm going to move into some prospects that I did, that I've listed, and um, we're going to start off with who I think has been the highest riser in terms of he's the highest on a lot most lists right now, and that's Vidal Bruhan. Uh top 100 prospect going in this year everywhere on fantasy lists but he has elevated his game in 32 games he has seven home runs and 14 steals a 282 batting average with a 379 obp 28 runs 23 rbi walking in 13 and almost 14 percent of his plate appearances and he's only striking out 15 percent of the time this guy already had good value but it's jumped to where I've seen him around the top inside, even inside the top 10 on some prospect lists I look at. What about you, Andrew? Is Bruhan a top 10 prospect for you right now? Uh, no. I would have him... I actually did my top 10 today. And he wasn't in it, but I think he would be in the top 20. Okay. So like 11 to 20. So you're not too far off then. And not too not too far off, no. I mean, you have to recognize what he's done. Obviously, he's been great. Um, I still have some reservations with not just um, like kind of the skill set, but him playing every day in the organization that he's in and just like the transition into the majors being smooth. And um, I don't know. I just... I just feel like there's going to be some bumpy spots with him um, once they promote him, whether it be, you know, hitting the ball with authority or playing every day or just whatever it is. I I don't know exactly what it'll be, but I just don't see it being seamless, really. Um, But yeah, I mean, you still have to, I I mean, if, if it all works out and he plays to his max potential i mean he's going to be awesome in fantasy there's no doubt but i just have some questions with that is all you know matt thompson brought this up on the one of the prospect live podcasts i was listening to where he mentioned that the rays are a team that i mean you know big reason they play these platoons is to keep everybody's values down in terms of arbitration and all that or he didn't say they do like he wasn't he was suspecting that's why they do it and I think that's got a little got has some legs to it in terms of why they're play this game so much. I've I've always thought it's a brilliant move to sit here and play these platoons because I do think that there's something too if you can have a lineup of right-handed hitters every time a lefty starts. I think that's a good advantage to have if they're good play if they can if they can hit them anyways. I'm not saying you do it with everybody. And it's interesting with Bruhan and Wander Franco. They're both switch hitters. 
but you, I, I was just now trying to look at his splits on fan graphs and I couldn't pull him up. I'm, I'd be real curious to see how he's doing against, but on both sides of the plate and see if it's like, if he's, if one side's favoring over the other, um, moving on, we'll go to, we'll move on to Michael Harris next. He was a third round pick by the Braves in the 2019 draft, but I didn't hear much buzz about him until this past off season. And by the beginning of the season, he'd hopped into the top 100 on some lists. I saw one where he was inside the top 50. Uh, this guy wasn't even in the top 200 on a lot of those same lists at the end of last year. But anyways, he's in high A and playing well in his first 31 games. Uh, 339 batting average, only a 362 on base, 479 slug with three home runs, and he's 9 for 9 in stolen bases. He's striking out less than 20% of the time, but he's hardly ever taking walks as his walk rate is under 4%. So again, do you think, I know you haven't made a list down to 50, but do you think he'd be in your top 50 prospects if you were making a list? Uh, Off the top of my head, I mean, I'd have to, I'd have to kind of go through names, but I would probably guess he'd be like 51 to 100 like the back end of the uh, top hundred. Yeah, impressive stuff. I mean, he's been he's been good. I, he's popped up quite a bit, and I'm not quite as quick to move guys as I think some others are. Um, sometimes that's not a good thing. Sometimes it's a good thing. Um, so, yeah, I just I'm not gonna like. He wouldn't be a guy that I would just vault all the way up but at the same time i mean he's been pretty impressive so see i've got a vested interest here because i grabbed him in all three of my dynasty leagues this offseason as i was reading good reports about him from the alt sites in the offseason but that said i do think i i was floored whenever i saw how high he shot up even with the strong performance i I don't know. I'm just not like I'm not quite at the place that some of these other people are at with him yet. So, yeah, to be seen, but to be determined, I think, as we see him get up to double A, hopefully by the end of the season, they'll have given him some time up there and we can see what he can do. But yeah, once you see a little more from a guy like this, I mean, it can continue to grow. And I there there could be a point in the next couple of months where he's you know, getting into that territory for sure. But I just feel like with um, these guys that are kind of ascending, but you just, I don't know. Some of them, I just, I just want to see a little bit more. So, Okay. Let's move on to the next guy, uh, Francisco Alvarez. He was a highly regarded Mets catching prospect who I had heard a lot of good things about last year, but this year he was given an assignment to low A and he was so dominant in 15 games, he was promoted to high A quickly. And as a 19-year-old, he's not setting the world on fire there in his first little stint, but he's holding his own, has three home runs already in 16 games. Adley's the clear number one catching prospect. I think that that's not debatable anywhere at this point. But would you say, is, is Alvarez number two? Yeah, I, I definitely think he's number two. Um, he's a distant number two yes. to Adley. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think he is. The Catching prospects are just tricky. I'm not you know, breaking any news here, but um, I remember a point probably about four years ago 
four, maybe five years ago, where I had Francisco Mejia and Jorge Alfaro in my minors in one uh, dynasty uh, league. And I thought my catching, my two catchers were set for <laughs> the rest of time. And you see what's happened. So they were both really good prospects. I mean, I think Francisco Alvarez is a really good prospect, but um, sometimes with, you know, a lot of these guys that aren't elite prospects and I wouldn't consider any of these guys elite other than maybe Bruhan that we're talking about tonight. But, um, you know, sometimes it's just kind of ebbs and flows, you know, they go up, they go down, mm-hmm. they go up, they go down. And it's almost like just when you're talking about them is, you know, like we're in this moment where these guys that we're talking about are hot, but it doesn't mean in, you know, you could look back in a month or two months and they could all be down from where they are now too. So, uh, a lot of these guys that shoot up, they shoot right back down just as fast. And I'm not saying that'll, <clears throat> that'll happen with him. It's just with catching prospects, I've been burned a little bit in the past and that, that may have something to do with it. I think they're just tough to read. You know, it's a transition. It takes a while. Um, cause there's a lot more to learn than just the hitting side of it, which is what we care about in fantasy. You know, they're obviously they got to catch a game and there's a lot that goes into that as you move up the ladder. You know, that reminds me of our talk about why pitching prospects scare us. And the thing I say is there's two things you have to worry about, health and performance. And you don't have to think about that with hitters, except for catchers, because there is the defense catcher part that does play a big role in their up in their coming up, up and coming. If they're not a strong defender, they may not get to play f- catch full time. I mean, Francisco Mejia was supposed to be this – like the top catching prospect, but I think defensively he's, they're not like, there were a lot of questions the last few years, if he was even going to stick at catcher. Right. And I think, I think I've heard that Alvarez is a strong defensive catcher. I think I remember hearing that. I hope the thing that, the thing that makes him so intriguing though. And like, you know, Adley's number one. And I love Adley. I probably, I probably have Adley as as high as anybody pretty much, but, um, the thing that makes these guys intriguing to everyone is, you know, if you're in a 15 team two catcher league where, you know, I just kind of use that as a sta- as the standard. I feel like it pretty much is for the most part, but you know, 30 catchers are starting. There's just not that many good catchers where the offensive bar, it just isn't very high. I mean, you can, you can be, uh, a middle of the road or like slightly above average catcher. And you're still a catcher one that is going to, that's going to play in fantasy, you know? So, and if God forbid you are that stud, I mean, you just, you can get to a point where you're blowing away the field so much that it's just the difference making potential there is massive. So mm-hmm. I think that's why people or some people uh, gravitate to catching prospects because they just know, you know, you just know it's like, you don't have to do as much as you do it, you know, say outfielder, first base, obviously those are kind of big ones, but um, there's still just a lot that goes into it too and feel like there's a lot of bust. So it's kind of a minefield out there with these guys, I feel like. And they definitely are. Okay, uh, moving on, we got Oswald Peraza with the Yankees. He wasn't a top 200 prospect on lists I looked at this offseason. Well, he was a fringe one at best, I should say, add. Uh, But at 20 years old, he exploded in high A to start this year. In 28 games, he was hitting 386 
with five home runs and was 16 for 17 in stolen bases. Uh, he's only walk, He was walking 9% of the time and striking out 19% of the time. He was then promoted to double A and he's only played six games so far. So there was, isn't much to say there yet, but he does have a home run. Now, Braz is a clear top 100 guy on every list I've seen updated as of late. And it made me want to go read into his scouting report from this offseason in the Baseball America Prospect Handbook. And over there I was reading he was someone who was providing some high exit velocities, but this power surge in the early going of this year does seem to be nice confirmation that maybe he can be a power speed threat. What do you think? Yeah, I I really like Peraza. Um, I actually recently traded him. I think it was the most recent trade I made in um, RM three. I traded uh, Oswald Peraza and Roanzi Contreras, pitching prospect for the Pirates, for Zach Wheeler. Wow, so, that's some good. Um, that's that's a big value to get out of. Peraza. And yeah. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, basically, you know, two prospects that are on the rise. Um, you know, I have a, I would say a good, not great farm system. I mean, I have pretty good major league team, but the uh, couple still big prospects. Like I've got Adley and Luciano on that team, but you know, Peraza is was like the guy I'm, I'm kind of looking at my roster and I'm like, well, if I don't want to trade Adley and I don't want to trade Luciano, which not that I wouldn't, but it's just not like at the forefront right now. It's like, you know, guys like this that kind of shoot up, they're guys that you can kind of suck some value out of, you know, when um, other people are noticing that they're kind of skyrocketing up lists and um, it's easy to fall in love with those guys. I mean, we're all kind of guilty of it at times. I feel like, you know, you, you look up and you see your guys shot way up. And the first instinct is to think, Oh man, I got to hang on to him or whatever. But, um, when you kind of look at your team as a whole, and that was kind of what I was doing. I was just like, it just kind of makes sense for me to trade this guy. I mean, could he blow up and be the next big thing? And I regret it for a long time. Yeah, it's possible. But, um, more often than not, I feel like it'll cool, you know, kind of like I was saying before, it's just, Sometimes it's like I said, it's up and down, and uh, I do like Peraza. I think he's you know likely to stick middle infield, which is always nice because you just don't have as high of an offensive bar to clear. And I think he has power, speed, and um, obviously you know you get the Yankee tax, so there's that. And yeah, he's he's definitely intriguing. I, I think it's a guy that depending on who owns him, you know, prop the guy that owns him probably likes him but um i could see buy or selling him just depending on what his cost is 20 years old and he's already up in double a that is impressive that he's made it that far that fast yeah yeah definitely Uh, i do want to correct one thing i said he was hitting 386 that was actually his on base percentage he was hitting 306 in high a with a 386 on base so correct myself there as Uh, i How dare you make that mistake? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next, we're going to move up to Nick Prado. He was a, I remember in 2018, he was a first, second round player in 2018 sub drafts. I took him in the second round in our league. But by 2019, his value was gone. He was lost, striking out a ton in A ball in 2018 and 2019. And he was completely off a lot of lists, but. 
he sure seems to have found himself this year. 32 games played. He's got a 313, 451, 688 slash, triple slash with 11 home runs. Strikeouts are down to 23%, and the walks are an incredibly high 19%. And people are falling in love with him again. I remember Prado having some Eric Hosmer comps coming out of that draft, which maybe isn't fair because he was taken by the Prado's a Royal. And at that time, I think Hosmer was still on the, in the Royals organization, but man, this guy's putting the ball in the air and he might have, so I'm thinking he might even have a higher ceiling than what we've seen out of Hosmer. What do you think about Prado? Yeah, uh, it's, it's definitely possible with, with a guy like this, uh, especially because he's first base. Um, so there's there's obviously just so much pressure on the bat. I I pretty much would treat Prado kind of like if if you want him or you want to go out and try and get him, it's just like what? How does his owner value him? You know, there's if if he's if his owner is willing to just throw him into a into a trade and uh, you feel like he's being undervalued, of course you you want him, but uh, I don't know. It's it's hard for me to figure out guys like this because I feel like sometimes the the market doesn't correct fast enough, um, and they should be. But yeah, it's just it's tricky because I don't I don't feel like um, I, I feel like he just has to keep keep it up. I mean, when you're first base only, you you just have to hit and you have to hit for power, or when you get to the bigs. It's like if you if you play first base in in the majors, I mean, this is just kind of obvious. But if you don't hit and hit for power, you're pretty replaceable in fantasy. Like those guys, they go late in in drafts. I mean, they're just not exciting. And I'm not saying he can't be that, but it kind of has to all continue to uh, continue to blossom as he moves up. And I think it's one of those if you can get him cheaply, I would do it. But if his owner's in love with him and what he's doing this year, I would just be like you can hang on to him because he's probably going to regress some at some point And then we'll talk, you know, it's, I look at a lot of players like that, but I just kind of feel specifically strong about him here, I guess. What's nice for people to have him is a lot of these people got him for free because they picked him up this right. and only spent Definitely. fab on him. So they've, they've come out. Well, I uh, just went and looked at Carlos Santana cause I couldn't remember if he signed a one or two year deal with the Royals because Prado is now in Double A at twenty two. I mean, there's a chance if he they might bump him up by the end of the season to Triple A, and he could be up next year. Santana did sign a two year deal, but that doesn't mean that they can't work like make Santana a DH next year or something and get Prado in there. We may be yeah. seeing him within about a year or so. Yeah, yeah, it's very possible. But you're right. I mean, going back to what you said before, the, a lot of these guys, they bounce up and down, and Prado's definitely been one of them. He was a top 100 guy two, three, three years ago, and then he was completely off list, and now he's higher than he's ever been. So, yeah, it's ebbs and flows with some of these it's, guys. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just it's tough when you're first base only and you're a prospect. I mean, you – you just have to be so confident that the bat will play at the highest level. 
that you know if if you're not that, then you should trade these guys every time. Every it's time, like catchers, then right? Because isn't this kind of similar to what you say about catchers in terms of unless you're an elite, uber elite guy like Adley, unless you're kind of like that. I mean, there's so much pressure on that bat that you're probably going to cash out most time, more times than not. Well, the only the only thing is though is I don't feel like a lot of people are tuned in quite yet on Prado either. You know, like they like there's probably some people that aren't even realizing what he's doing. You know, obviously the people that are pay, paying really close attention to him realize it, but I'm just saying like you can be you could have two different leagues, three different leagues, and I kind of think about this with every player in every league, and it, it's kind of why I don't get too uh, in love with, like, I got to have this specific player, is, you know, you could have two different leagues, two different guys own Prado. One is completely in love with him, loves what he's doing, uh, thinks he's just the next big thing, whatever you want to call it. And that's, you know, the one league. And then in the other league, you talk to the Prado owner and he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll throw him in here for nothing. And that completely changes it. So it to me, it's just all about what that owner thinks. But then again, I, I would say that about a lot of guys. I just I feel like that um, Prado definitely qualifies. OK, let's move on. I got one last guy here, and that is Gunnar Henderson. Uh, he was someone that wasn't on my radar much at all, but he's trending in a positive direction right now. I went back to look at his write-up in the prospect handbook. I, I We've said this before, but I highly recommend ordering that yearly. Andrew, you've gotten him for, what, 10 years straight now? Uh, like yeah, yep, 10 years. Either way, they mentioned that Baltimore worked on a swing as his lower half was apparently lagging behind the upper half when he was swinging. And after getting that fixed, he started hitting for more power. And so far, that's ringing true this year. In 30 games, he has a 328, 387, uh, 615 triple slash with eight home runs. And he's four for five in stolen bases. Now, he's in low A. Steals don't mean much. But Baltimore might have found themselves a power hitting shortstop here in the future. I don't think you and I have talked about Henderson at all, ever. What Do you have much to say on him? No, not a ton. Um, he's playing really well. Um, you know, just kind of see how it goes. And you, you really with these guys, the I feel like the key with, I mean, really, you could say this about any prospect, but especially other than the elite ones, um, catching these guys before they start getting noticed, it's just so big. I mean, like, you know, these three, these last three that we've mentioned, Oswald Peraza, Nick Prado, and Gunnar Henderson, I mean, you could have got them for nothing like a year ago, you know? Um, and not just these guys, but there's other ones too. When you can kind of catch those guys as they're on the upswing, you know, they can turn into something that is a real piece, and then you can move them for something to help your major league team if you're contending or or whatever you want to do i mean i i was uh talking to our buddy lucas today and i was just telling him how in rm3 you know it's 20 team league i'm in first place my team's playing really good um 
but I feel like I'm going to spend the majority of my fab this year on prospects mm-hmm. because I'm trying to churn the bottom of, you know, like I said, the back, the back, like third or half of my, uh, my minors isn't real strong. So if I can improve that, I just feel like it's going to give me more bullets to have at the trade deadline and all those things. I mean, 20 team league, it's not like I'm uncovering some guy in the majors. That's that good. Anyways, you know, they're pretty much, you got to find those gems in the minors that kind of, uh, shoot up. And when you do that and you get them for nothing and you turn them into something that can help your team, I mean, it's just huge. And I, I feel like these three guys that we just mentioned are, kind of good examples of that you can get something for Gunnar Henderson you can get something for Nick Prado you can get something for Oswald Peraza but know what you have I mean that's you Mm -hmm. kind of have to know what you have too you don't want to just be I mean I think I think most people that are following closer listening to the podcast obviously they they're paying attention but it's easy to kind of get lost in the world too because of everything going on in the majors and there's so many minor leaguers to follow you can get lost in it a little bit and, um, yeah know what you have and when you've got those guys that are ascending i mean get something for them if you're not going to get anything for them then just hang on to them there's yes. no reason to there's no reason to just give them away don't go trading one of these guys for like a um wade miley who's pitching well or something like that in most instances and i'm throwing wade right. miley out there that's probably not fair to him because he's pitching really well but that's kind of what i mean like the veteran who's playing real well but you probably isn't going to be great for long something like that just be careful what you're giving them up for know what you got like you said and that's really good what you were mentioning about the um also turning your lineup and i think or turning your bottom of your minors and that'll get go great for a question i'm going to ask you here in a moment but before i get into that is there anybody on this list that you think you'd want to try to buy high on if you could get them close to what you'd say their current value is like in terms of like the value of maybe in the ranks if they're like francisco alvarez maybe a top 50 guy would you pay a top 50 prospect price to try getting a guy like that if you're probably paying like 100 cents on the dollar for him because you think that they can Um, go up more Really, you know, I think the two that I'm probably the most interested in on of the guys we've mentioned are like just relative to everyone else are probably Francisco Alvarez and Oswald Peraza. But it really just just does depend on what you can get for them. Like I said, I mean, when I traded Peraza and another prospect, I got Zach Wheeler. Yep. <laughs> and I need, you know, like I'm contending, I needed another pitcher, and I was happy with that. But I wasn't going to just give Oswald Peraza away either, no. you know? And, like, you kind of have to be uh, a little picky and choosy, whatever you want to call it, about uh, who you're giving the guys up, these guys up for too. find the guy that wants these players, et cetera. You know, it's kind of all goes into it. I mean, I could see buying any of them or selling any of them. Honestly, I would sell Bruhan right now. I would sell him. Yeah. And a lot of, and a lot of it has to do with, I think enough people are in love with him that you can get, you can get enough for him now that you don't have to take on, 
some of the risk that's going to come with him. And, you know, he may pan out and be great. I mean, I'm not dismissing that at all, but I just think that you can get quite a bit for him now. Yes. So, um, I would, I honestly would sell him. Yeah. I honestly don't think there's anybody on this list. I'd want to pay a hundred cents on the dollar for right off the bat. It goes back to your yo-yo conversation. I think there's something to that in terms of these guys are up and down and you don't buy them whenever they're up unless you think that they're the real deal and going to be a superstar. And I just, I think Bruin's got a chance for that, but he's so high on the list that I think the risk it's is almost like, yeah, it's almost like he already is. Yeah, that, exactly. You know, and that's kind of the, um, the thing with a lot of the, a lot of, a lot of these guys, I mean, well, not necessarily the ones we listed tonight, but just prospects in general. And yeah, I would, um, I don't know. I'd be feeling out like if I had Bruhan and I was like a contending team. Oh man, that's juicy. You can get so much. I just feel like it's, yeah, I'd be exploring that. So, um, you know, you mentioned a second ago, you want to get these guys before they get up to these on these lists and you're churning some spots in RM three, but who are some guys you've been picking up then that you're churning through that you're hoping to hit lightning in a bottle here? Maybe these guys aren't top hundred guys yet, maybe not even top two hundred guys. But you you think are they're showing something right now and you've bought into lately to see if you've hoping to hit lightning in a bottle. Well, you actually listed uh two of the guys that I picked up in RM3 yesterday. Well, that makes me feel good. <laughs> yeah. Because they're Pol- guys I've picked up in our league. Yeah. Caden Polkovich and David Hamilton. Okay. Um, yeah. Caden Polkovich, <clears throat> Mariner system, you know, power and speed. I don't know if there's much there. I mean, it's just some of these guys, you're just taking flyers, you know, seven home runs, seven steals. And then David Hamilton with the Brewers is in high A, and he's got, I think it's 21 steals right now. I think so, he stole his 22nd yesterday. Okay. Yeah, I thought I looked yesterday. But either way, tons of tons of speed. So, I mean, he's old for the level and kind of is what it is. But, you know, you never know, like, with some of these guys, how fast they're just going to gain some value. And then even if it's just something where you're like, topping off a trade like by throwing a guy like that in yep sometimes that helps you know and when you've got a bunch of minor slots i mean there's worse ways to fill them than with these guys that are kind of popping up a little bit so um yeah grabbed or i grabbed them i one guy i wanted to mention is uh sam long yeah for the um for the giants I got him in a couple leagues, and he's just pitching really well. I made his debut earlier in the week, and I think four innings, seven strikeouts, and like one hit, one yep. walk, something like that. And, um, yeah, I bid pretty heavy on him in every league yesterday and got him in two out of my four dynasties. Um, a couple other guys had the same idea as me, but um, – yeah, he's 25, and at least short-term, he's in the Giants' rotation. I think he pitches tomorrow. It's either tomorrow or Wednesday. I actually thought he pitched today, but must have got that mixed up. But, um, you know, 25-year-old that's pitching well in the 
upper minors even back to 2019 and then this year um over a k printing you know just good numbers across the board and it's like these guys especially pitchers they they kind of come out of nowhere sometimes and then all of a sudden i mean if sam long pitches tomorrow or wednesday and he pitches really well his value shoots up even further you know and then next thing you know it's like two or three starts like that and boom, it, you know, there's actual, there's real value there. So now granted it can go the other way too, but all you're spending is fab. I mean, he was available in every dynasty league I'm in, uh, before yesterday. So yeah, I just think that, um, that's a guy I'm really, in- I'm really interested to see how he does this week. Cause I feel like it's going to kind of de- determine where, you know, where his value goes. But when you're investing fab, in a dynasty league, that's, that's like the perfect guy to invest it in. It's just Mm -hmm. a guy that's in the majors now just had a good start is 25 is pitched. Well, he's young enough. He's yeah. Giant. Yeah. And he's young enough that if he sticks, I mean, he could have some value, you know, it's not like he's 30. So, yeah. Um, yeah, just a few guys, I guess that caught my, uh, caught my eye lately. Paul Spore was talking. I saw him tweet last night about how, how like he went. He was the top guy in Fab in NFBC leagues this last weekend, or TGFBI. I don't remember which one it was, but yeah, he was definitely highly grabbed in all leagues. Um, I got a few more. Uh, Alec Burleson. He was a contact over power guy in college. Only struck out thirty-seven times in three years of college, which is just crazy to hear that number but um he uh let's see as a only struck out three times in 75 plate appearances as a junior but he wasn't selling out for power and that's all changed uh burleson had four home runs in 11 games in high a and the cardinals quickly realized that he needed to be accelerated so he was moved to double a springfield where i gotta see him a week and a half ago where he has another five home runs in 22 games putting his total to nine bombs in 33 games uh, the strikeouts are also up, though, so it's clear that he's selling. The selling out for power process has begun. He's striking out somewhere between 25-30% of his plate appearances so far between the two levels. So he went from a being an unknown to a semi-trendy pickup in deeper dynasty leagues. I'm really looking forward. I think the Cardinals would be doing bet like if you if he really wants to hit, hit this peak potential, the Cardinals need to trade him in the next few months to another team, get, yeah. get him to another organization, and we'll see Adalas Garcia again. <laughs> uh, Angel Zerpa, Royals lefty. I picked up him three seasons in the minors. He never struck out over a batter an inning. And rookie That was rolling rookie ball. He struck out 45 and 35 innings in high A this year, only walked seven. So I grabbed him as a flyer. Uh, Polkovich, you brought up. You know, I kind of think of the Dylan Moore type player when I think of Polkovich and seeing, like, looking at his stats. I've seen, they've just had a few of these guys pop up and do the Dylan Moore. Um, there was another guy before him. I kind of think, well, maybe he's one of those guys. Maybe he's more. We'll see. David Hamilton, as you brought up. Uh, others, Cornelius Randolph with the Phillies could possibly debut at some point this year. Jose Miranda was interesting to me, a 22-year-old infielder with the Twins. Sitting 307 with eight home runs in 35 games. Doesn't strike out much at all. Uh, that's consistent throughout his minor league career, but 
his home run to fly ball rate is 25% this year. And that, so those homers, that number's a little high. I think he's more of a line drive oriented guy, but I find him interesting as someone who plays around all across the diamond. So there's a few more for me. Um, Well, that was a lot. I mean, where are we at on time? I feel like after missing two and a half weeks, I think you and I just made up for it all here tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, these guys are always fun to talk about. One other guy picked up in, I think, like three out of my three out of my four dynasties is uh, Yanni Hernandez. He's a middle infielder for the Rangers. Yeah, yeah. And just he's really just been an OBP machine. I mean, it isn't a huge sample. He actually just came off the IL, I believe. Um, but yeah, four forty three OBP and Triple A. And nine stolen bases. So, um, especially on a team like Texas, I think he could get a shot sometime, yep. possibly this year. And you never know, but what, you know, you got like a sneaky middle infielder or something like that, and you basically got him for nothing. So, um, you just know, you just kind of, yeah, yeah, you just kind of stash these guys away. And that's what those spots are there for, you know. And then next thing you know, you've got somebody that's either helping your club or you're, using as a piece to help your club so but you gotta um, keep paying attention you i, I really pay attention I, to what they're doing because if they're if they if they fall apart and you're just picking up flyers go get the next hot guy right it really is important though i i, I think that some people they ignore or i shouldn't say ignore no i don't think anybody that's in a dynasty league ignores it but the ones that can keep tabs on what these minor leaguers are doing, I just feel like you have a massive edge because the next thing you know, you know, if you have more chips than the guy next to you, I mean, that's only going to help supplement your roster if you're trying to make a run for it. And if, and if you're not, and you're rebuilding, it's helping you anyways that way. So, um, anytime you can just kind of stockpile more talent, um, like I said, churn the back end. Like, don't worry too much about your bottom few minor leaguers, unless you just have like a loaded system because yes. your teams, you know, like something like that. But um, most teams, anyways, they have a handful of minor leaguers that they can constantly churn, and you just do that, do that, do that, and then build the value on your minor league uh, or in your minors, and that can kind of help you. Uh, supplement your majors like this especially if you're competing i just i feel like it really can help and if there's two or three teams competing and one of those teams isn't doing that and the other ones are you're at a disadvantage i mean period yep for sure i picked up jonathan classe last year as one of those guys i would see him popping up lists i honestly didn't even know anything about him and went in the offseason still not knowing anything about him early in the offseason and then i ended up moving him this offseason to get an outfielder that helped me it's like stuff like that. If yeah. you, And you say, I, I can't speak for all of the people in this group, but, I mean, for the most part, I can look through all three of my dynasty leagues and I can find people that I don't think pay much attention to the prospects. And those people, I think it put. I agree with everything you said. It puts you at a disadvantage if you're not continually churning unless you have one, you're in a rebuilding and you just got an absolute stacked farm and you're hurting for rot, split slots right at the moment. Right, right. Okay. Um, 
I had some closing stuff, but honestly, I think we've been here long enough, so we're going to get out of here. But I hope you guys all enjoyed this. Andrew, I've got some more homework to do still. I think I mentioned last episode. I've got – how far are we from the All-Star break? About three or four weeks? About a, about a month, I think. A month? I want to okay. say it's – yeah, I want to say it's July 11, 12, 13, somewhere in there. Good. That gives me time because I have got to get started on this dynasty list. I'm going to make at least 100. Maybe I'll change my mind and even go to 150, 200, but I'm at least going to get 100 out by then. That's my goal. And I'm going to keep saying it here to make sure that I'm held, holding myself accountable and being held nice. accountable for this. So I can't I can't wait to see it. Yeah, I don't, I'm looking forward to it because I hated mine last year when I finished it, and I'll probably maybe I'll feel the same way. But I'm I'm just looking forward to diving into this again. Well, the minute the minute that you hit submit, you know you're <laughs> you're all right. I mean, that's anything. It's like you hit submit, and the next thing you know, five minutes later, you're like, oh, I want to move that guy up or down. So I get it totally. Yeah, two of the hardest things in life until you do it yourself, you don't maybe realize just how hard it is to hit a major league curveball, and <laughs> To try to make a dynasty list until you actually have to do it yourself. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely <laughs> tough. I tell you, when I when I've done because I've done the those two, and then obviously like prospects and stuff. But um, when I go back, like if I just sometimes I tell myself I got to just put it down. Yep. And I'll just set it down, and I swear to you, when I go back and I look at it, it could it could be an hour later, or hours later, or a day or two, or a week later, or whatever it is. I always have something that I can change. It's like, oh, yeah, I, I should move him up or I should move him down. It, it never fails. I mean, there's just a point where you just kind of have to be like, okay, this is what I'm going to go with. I still have last year's Dynasty rankings on my desktop right on my homepage, and I just pulled it up. First time I've looked at it in over a year. Keston Hira, number 24 at that time. <laughs> oh, that hurts. Yeah, that hurts. Jacob DeGrom all the way down to 33 on that list. Wow, that didn't age well. Joe Adele at 35. Jose Ramirez at 36. Some of these guys have moved since then, that's for yeah. sure. But I tell you, you know, and it's funny, like, people will laugh, but make a list. I mean, you'll see it. Make a list and look at it in a few months or a year. Uh-huh. Like, everybody's list. It sucks. Is going to have stuff like that. I mean, obviously, you just do your best to get more right than you do wrong, but there's always going to be stuff like that. It's just complete. When you do this long enough, it's completely unavoidable. Yeah. Josh Bell, 52. Andrew Benatendi, 71. (laughs) Jeez. Okay. Closing. Benatendi's actually having a pretty good year until he He has bounced back. Yeah. Good for, and good for him. Okay, well, anything else going on for you this week? Uh, nothing off the top of my head. It was good to get back. I feel like we hadn't done a show in a while. It was about a couple weeks probably. Yeah, it was so. too long. It was definitely yeah. too long. You were gone. I was thinking yeah, about it going last on. week, but you had family in. I got under the weather. So, yeah, it's good to get back. Hopefully we'll be pumping out another one here every week for a little while and stay back on our weekly thing or i guess more more or less we seem to be about every seven to ten days i like to say sometimes we do two and three weeks but it's fun to do them definitely okay until next time appreciate y'all and take care everybody yep take care guys
Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. And once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year. 